The prayer that I brought for you today is from Jeff Nelson. He's a UCC pastor in Ohio. Um, this is a beautiful prayer that he wrote uh, that is connected to what we're going to be talking about today. So will you pray with me? Sometimes when we're paying attention or when we least expect it, when we're looking or when we're most unassuming, you show us something that we have longed to see. We may be vigilant seekers, reading into the boring and routine or becoming excitable at the ending, wanting to capture with precision and delicacy a moment that we discern is just for us. We may play the fool backing into a divine embrace, <laughs> stumbling upon a transcendent promise, no less moved by what we have witnessed. Regardless of circumstances, it remains that we have seen it. It cannot be unseen. You have made it seen. You have shown it to us. You are the one who led us, willing or reluctant climbers, up the mountain. You are the one who says to us, I have let you see it with your eyes, this beloved landscape of mine, this long-sought destination, this craved place of blessing and promise. And now that we have seen it, what would you have us do? Now that we have caught a slight glimpse or been given a lingering vision, we wonder how to get to the place you've shown us. It is too marvelous a place to live without, too rich a source of life not to be shared, too wonderful a reality to be forgotten. You lead us back down the mountain, willing or reluctant repellers, because there is more to see. And in one of your more clever twists, we have become the guides, the ones to show rather than to be shown, the ones to help make it seen. How best shall we move on from what you have shown, simply forward, to be what we have seen for others Longing to see it. God, as we gather in this place to seek you, to worship you, may we realize that you are not afar off. You are not a God that we have to reach for, that we have to reach out to, to pray, to send some prayers into some cosmic place, but you are right here in us, in the music in the songs, in the prayers, in the scriptures, in the beauty we see out these windows. Help us to see that today so that we might be changed and that we could be the catalyst for change in a world that so desperately needs to know who they are. This is our 
deepest longing. No more mass murder in places like Maine. No more children being bombed in Gaza. All the horrible things that we see day in and day out. No more. And all it takes is for us to be shown who is at the center of ourselves. As those who believe this, even if we haven't seen it with our own eyes, we believe it and we long to see it. Help us to go out into the world and when we encounter people who do not know that we might have the mind and heart of Jesus who said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what the heck they're doing. Lord, that man in Maine, he didn't know what he was doing. The folks that are killing each other in the Middle East, they don't know what they're doing. They have no clue. When we feel that we need to, to defend ourselves or, or our, our bank accounts or whatever it is that we think we need to defend, help us to remember who we are, whose we are. No defense is needed. The kingdom of heaven is right here, right now, for those who have eyes to see. May we see it today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be reading from Deuteronomy 34. This really is not a sad day. I know it seems like I'm sad. I'm not sad, but our reading is a little sad today. <laughs> we didn't pick it. We didn't pick it. Uh, we are reading uh, the last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, if you have in your Bible a little subheading, it'll probably say something like the death of Moses. So it is kind of sad. But we're going to be reading the entire chapter. 34, Deuteronomy, verses 1 through 12. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the lands of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. 
Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him, and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land, and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. And thus closes the book of Moses and Torah, a word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Back in the 60s, there was a fiery woman named Bell Hook. She was a civil rights activist. She was an author, a speaker. She wrote a book called Outlaw Culture. And in that book, she said this. She said face to face. We have a slide, a bell hook slide. There you go. She said, it's interesting the way in which one has to balance life because you have to know when to let go and when to pull back. There's always some liminal, as opposed to subliminal, space in between which is harder to inhabit because it never feels as safe as moving from one extreme to another. Smart lady. You ever heard that word before, liminal? Liminal. It's a word that I came, became familiar with a few years ago in seminary, and now I see it everywhere. It's like it's the new favorite word of theologians to use. Liminal uh, means that you perceive that you are in a state of transition. Now, you know the word subliminal, right? Subliminal means you're not aware. It's below your, your perception, okay? But liminal is this space in between two positions. So um, uh, think of twilight. Twilight is not quite nighttime, not quite daytime. It's somewhere in, bete- in between. Think about New Year's Eve, right? The, the, the old years, we're done with it but we're not quite into the new. We're in this liminal space. Pregnancy, nine months of pregnancy is kind of like you're no longer not a parent, but you're not quite fully a parent yet. You're in this liminal space. It's those gray places that you can't claim one or the other. We talk about uh, 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 preteens, right, that are, they're not, they're not, quite children anymore, they're not quite teenagers, they're somewhere in between. Liminal spaces, they're all over the place. And the Israelites in our story today are in this huge liminal space. 
They're in a huge liminal space. We talked about this on Monday. We were talking about the, the two positions that they're in between. So they're, they're in between Moses and Joshua, right? Moses has been leading them. Joshua's about to take over, but that quite hasn't happened yet. Moses is up on the mountain surveying the land, dying, possibly God burying him. Joshua is with the people down below, but he's not quite their leader yet. It's a transition point. Uh, they're moving from wandering and living in tents to settling down permanently in homes in a land. For 40 years, they've been wandering. It's this nomadic life, this Bedouin life that they've been living, but they're getting ready to, for something radically different, but it's not quite there yet. They're in between. Uh, they're, they're going from the barren wilderness where they have to rely on water from rocks and manna from heaven and quail getting blown in by the breath of God. They're, they're going from that to this lush promised land full of milk and honey where the grapes are the size of your head and the honeycomb, right? But they're not quite there yet. It's not one, it's not the other. It's a liminal space. In, in the Hebrew scriptures, we're, we're in a huge liminal space here. We're moving from Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses, considered to be the, the most holy of the Hebrew scriptures, and we're moving into Nevaim, which is the prophets, beginning with Joshua. For the Hebrews, Joshua is the first prophetic book that's written. So even in the scriptures here, we're in this huge liminal space, one, not one, not the other, somewhere in between. And how the children of Israel navigated this liminal space was very, very important. Very important. See, we need to remember, or if you don't know, this is not the first time that they have been at the edge of the Jordan River getting ready to cross over. Do you remember, do you remember the last time they got there and they were afraid to cross over? They said, this is probably not a good idea. We've seen the people on the other side and they're really large people and uh, we think we're going to have trouble. And there were two guys that said, no, we can do it. And it was Joshua and Caleb. And so God decided, you know, in this new place, in this new place, there is a certain mindset that is just not going to work. It's just not going to work in this new place. And so what we're going to do is we're going to let things kind of rest in this liminal space until that mindset is gone. And the new, the metanoia, the repented mindset can enter into this new place. And I, I'd always wondered what this would have been like. You know, you're wandering in the desert for 40 years and you've got one generation that God has said, this generation has to be gone. This, this, this mindset of this generation will not work in the new place and has to be gone. And then you've got this younger generation kind of sitting around looking at their watches going, you know, we're ready to go. And can you imagine getting down to the last handful of people or the last person and the entire community is sitting there watching them? Anytime you're ready to go, because we're ready to go. And I always wondered, what would that be like? And I was so thankful for Dan Matthews 
because Dan brought it into perspective for me. He said, you know, Jimmy, this would have been their parents and their grandparents. They weren't celebrating their deaths. This would have been bittersweet for them. Yes, new things take place when mom and dad go, but I love mom and dad dearly, and I don't want to see them go. And so I'll hang out in the desert as long as I need to hang out with them because it's precious time with them, right? It, it, it would not have been this celebratory moment. Yay, the last person took their last breath. We can go now, right? It wasn't that. It was this bittersweet place. And when you think of it that way, you see this reflected in the final eulogy for Moses. Because Moses is part of what cannot enter. Crazy enough, you'd think Moses, of all people, would be able to go in. But God's doing something new, and Moses, we're in this liminal space, right? Joshua's the next one. He's primed and ready to go. But oh my gosh, look at the eulogy for Moses, because they loved that man. They loved him. They honored him. They took his words seriously. They said, no prophet like this has ever arisen in Israel this man knew God face to face. No one has had a face-to-face -face relationship with God except for Moses. And then when Moses dies, and some translations say that God, God personally buried Moses, which I think is just a beautiful, beautiful image. So let's go with that. Let's say yes. I like that translation. God buries Moses. You see the children of Israel... Pause for 30 days. They don't go, whew, we're finally rid of that old codger. Let's go. Man, they pause for 30 days and they remember Moses and they contemplate everything that Moses taught them. They honor him with everything that they have before they go into this new place that God has prepared. This is what Bell Hooks is talking about. The art of balance in life. Knowing when to hold on, knowing when to let go. Kenny Rogers said something about that. You got to know when to hold on, know when to fold on, right? This is what she's talking about. Living in that liminal space where you are holding with one hand and you are reaching out toward the new with the other at the same time. You're not in, in a hurry to get to one or to the other. You just kind of hang in this uncomfortable gray space. You know, it's interesting because many, 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 many years after this, another huge liminal space opened up with the birth of Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene. Now, Moses had said, hey, one day, another prophet like me will be raised up, and I want you to listen to him. But a lot of people had claimed to be that prophet. What's different about this guy? So here, here's Jesus, comes on the scene. Some people feel like there's something special about this guy. He might be the one that Moses talked about. Some, some prophets predicted that Elijah would return. Maybe this guy is Elijah in a new form. Maybe he's John the Baptist who was beheaded. Maybe he's been reincarnated. It's John the Baptist come back to us. 
Now, we know, because we have hindsight, we believe that Jesus was ushering in the new and expanded covenant that the prophets talked about. The prophets said there's going to be a come a day when God's covenant will be expanded all the way to the coastal lands. It won't just be the Jews anymore. It will include anybody who wants to be a part of it. And no longer will my law be written on tablets of stone. It will be written right on your heart. Oh, there we go. Kingdom of heaven inside, right? Right on your very hearts. No one will have to teach you. You will know me because you'll know me face to face like Moses, right? And so here's Jesus claiming to be the one to usher in this new place, this liminal space now. And once again, we have folks whose mindset just will not work in the new place. We call them the Pharisees. We love to hate the Pharisees because we go, y'all, come on, it's Jesus. The Pharisees loved Moses too, and they held on to Moses tightly. In fact, when Jesus would say something, they would go, but our father Moses tells us, or what do you do about this when Moses says this, right? They hadn't learned that art of balance. They're clinging tightly to Moses, but something new is happening. You've got to reach forward to the things that the prophets foretold about. We love to hate the Pharisees, but Jesus too honored them. Matthew 23 Verses 2 and 3, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said face to face. Jesus said, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But don't do as they do. For they do not practice what they teach. And he recognized their authority. He recognized who they were and in whose seat they sat. Listen to these guys. This is not a fluke that they have been given this authority. Just don't do what they do. Jesus honored the Pharisees. In one month, we're going to enter into... Another liminal space. It's one that we've been dealing with for a long time. It's called Advent. You know Advent. Advent is the time in which you remember the first coming of Jesus. You're preparing your heart for Christmas. We remember how Jesus came in this uh, tiny helpless form, humble, sleeping in a donkey trough, you know, First visitors are shepherds, the lowest of the low. Like, this is God in the flesh, and we, we remember that. We're, we're holding on to that. But also, Advent is about looking forward to His second coming, right? Advent means coming. And so we think about His first coming, but we really, we're, we're looking toward His second coming. Which is why the, all the Scripture passages that will be chosen for Advent are the prophets talking about coming Messiah, we're looking toward this, this coming. When will Messiah return? This liminal space, folks, uh, we've been in it for over 2,000 years. That's a, that's, a, that's a long liminal space to be in. We're not quite over here, but we're not quite here. We're somewhere in between. But as Dan says on Facebook, 
Maybe today. Maybe today is the day. Maybe I won't finish this sermon because today is the day. But you know, if the story of God's people tells us anything, if you look at the, the liminal space of Moses and the Jordan and, and Joshua, if you look at the liminal space of Jesus and the Pharisees and the disciples, then there's one thing we know from at least those two large liminal spaces, and, and it's this. Liminal spaces prepare us for what we could never have imagined. You, you can't imagine what is coming. The things that have been prepared for you Sit in this liminal space as long as you can because you are being formed and trained for what is coming that you can't even conceive in your mind. The second thing we learn about liminal spaces is that it always weeds out the mindset that will not work in the next age. There are just certain, certain attitudes that will not work. It's just not going to work in this next space. And so we'll stay as long as we need for that to go away. 2,000 years. God's working on us. God's working on us. Of course, with all that is happening in the Holy Land right now, I don't have to tell you, there's a lot of chatter about the second coming. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe. Maybe not. This is not the first war in the Holy Land. This might be a historic moment, maybe not. Our job is not to wonder or to jump the gun or to anticipate in some way that's not healthy for us about the next phase. Our job is to sit into the liminal space that God is providing right now, learning from previous examples so that we might be ready when it starts to unfold. Because we want to be a part of the flexible folks who get to go into the next phase. We don't want to be those who cannot take part in that next phase. And so God loves us until that is gone. We don't want to be those folks. We want to be the flexible folks that are excited. We're holding on to the past. We're stretching toward the future. We're ready for whatever comes. Whatever you want to do, God, we're ready. Unfortunately, and this is going to upset some people, but I'm just going to tell you, uh, there's an abundance of science fiction out there that is being passed off as biblical theology. Okay? It's everywhere. Who's read the Left Behind series? I have. Yeah. Yeah, right? These, these are fiction books that are being passed off as biblical theology. Folks, planes crashing into buildings, buses full of people swerving off the ravine and children dying in fiery crashes or whatever. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. I, who am I? I just don't think it's going to happen that way. I just don't think it's going to happen that way. In fact, when Jesus talks about one will be taken and one will be left. Right before that, he says, you know, it's going to be like in the days of Noah when a flood came along and swept people away 
and only a handful were left. So in Jesus' example, you want to be left. You don't want to be taken away in the flood, right? Anyway, I have even begun to think as of late that the return of Christ, whatever this is going to be like, this second coming, may not be embodied by any one person. What if it's a group of people that embody the returning Christ? What if it's the church? Wouldn't that be awesome? If the church is the body of Christ, finally gets her act together and stands in for the embodied Christ in the world. What if it comes in as an ancient philosophy? What if it comes in as a new scientific discovery? We don't know what the returning Christ will be like. Our job in this liminal space is to be open. Because I guarantee when it happens, as it is happening, there will be some like the Pharisees that say, this is all wrong. This is not how it's supposed to go down. We've read our Bibles. We've read Left Behind. We know what it's supposed to look like, and this ain't it. And God will say, that mindset's not going to work. And then there will be some, maybe like the disciples, who are a bunch of uh, nobodies, fishermen, tax collectors, folks that maybe hadn't even read a lick of Scripture in their life, and all of a sudden they're being hand-chosen to lead into the new, new phase, right? They're going to be people who say, something is happening right now. Something is happening, and I'm all for it. I don't even know what to call it, but I'm in. And God will say, this mindset is what we need in a new place. So how can we be prepared? How can we, as those who long to see the return of Jesus, who know we're in this liminal space and we're looking for the next phase, how are we to be prepared so that we're not the ones who are swept away, but we're the ones who are left to carry on into the new phase? Well, we've already said it. Study the past. Honor the past. Read your scriptures. But do not cling to it as the only way that God can work. Whatever interpretations you've been given, whatever other pastors have told you, anything I have told you, hold on to it, honor it, but hold it loosely. Because if the Bible tells us anything, I can, I can open the Bible to almost any page. And in the story, God is throwing a curveball. God throws curveballs all the time. And man, if you're not, if you're not ready for curveballs, you go, wait, that's, that's not how you pitch, God. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to go. And God says, I threw a curveball. I also think Moses can teach us something here. We started off with Moses and this beautiful eulogy. Moses knew God. It says in the scriptures, Moses knew God face to face. Now, Brandy, smart, smart, smart. Brandy said, you know, the Hebrew for face here is the word panim, 
which mostly in your scriptures is translated as presence or um, sometimes face, but usually presence. Uh, when it talks about the panim of God, it's talking about the presence of God, which can be in a, in a, a pillar of fire or a cloud that guides the people. It can be in the breath of God that is blowing the winds or blowing the quail in. Sometimes that's the presence of God. It, it, it's wherever God is, is, is present and we know God is present. That's the panim of God. So to say that Moses knew God panim to panim means presence to presence. In other words, another way you can translate that is to say Moses was fully present to God and God was fully present to Moses. There was no separation there. Moses knew God, right? If we can have that kind of relationship with God. I told you, I'm going to be a broken record. When you find God at the center of yourself, when you know who you are and whose you are, when you are fully present to God, and you know that God is fully present to you, that kind of relationship, you'll be ready for whatever happens. You'll be ready for whatever comes. Whatever curveball God decides to throw in the next pitch, we'll be ready. And guess what? A lot of good folks have died in 2,000 years. I really hoped that this return of Christ, whatever this looks like, would happen in my grandparents' lifetime. I didn't want to lose my grandparents. I remember telling my grandma, oh, Jesus is going to come back before you go. And she says, honey, she said, honey, she, grandma said, honey, it's okay if he doesn't. A lot of good people have died in 2,000 years. But for those folks who have that kind of relationship that Moses had, they're okay with that. See, my grandma was okay with it because they know something that maybe we have forgotten or maybe never knew to begin with. God is here on the mountaintop overlooking the promised land. God is there in the promised land. God is burying Moses. God is in Joshua getting ready to lead the people. There, there is no place that God is not. And so speaking of men like Moses, the writer of Hebrews says, all of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw them and they greeted them. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, He has prepared a city for them, even for Moses. Don't weep for Moses, who died on the mountaintop and didn't get to go over into the other land because something even greater has been prepared for Moses. Folks, for 2,000 years, we have seen and we greet from a distance or maybe not as much of a distance it could be today, right? The transition of God into new spaces. We are those who are thankful for the example of the saints in the past. We know how to listen to them. Thomas Merton, who I read for you this morning, what a wonderful saint. Man, I'm going to pour over Thomas Merton's words. Thomas knew something that I need to remember. We're going to hold on to these things. We're going to honor them. But we also realize that God is not finished speaking, that the Bible is not the end of God speaking. 
that God is still alive and active and speaking to us. That we need to be prepared for whatever comes next. So may we have eyes to see. May we have ears to hear. May we have hearts that are flexible enough to embrace whatever comes next. Let's give thanks to God for the liminal space that we are in today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You all grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's make a big chain. Can't really make a big circle, but we can make a chain. Is everybody connected to somebody else? Who's connected to somebody else? Good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Receive this blessing from Proverbs 18:24. There is one who sticks closer than sister or brother, one who is closer than father or mother, one who is closer than spouse or lover one who is closer than your very self and yet is none other. May you find this one whose presence melts all fears and loneliness and suffering and pain. May you find this one who refuses to dish out condemnation and revenge and judgment and shame. May you find this one who even now beckons you to give up your life so that you might find it again as the dawn of eternity reveals that you and the one have become one and the same. In the name of this one who promises that those who seek shall find, go forth with this blessing until we are gathered together once again.